0: Thank you so much, Wayne and worship team. I uh, never cease to be amazed at the God we serve and that we love and that we have worshiped this morning. I asked Wayne to uh, plan this morning's worship five weeks ago before I knew what I was going to be talking about today. Normally, um, Pastor Rick plans out his messages he takes a couple of prayer retreats a year to plan out his messages and his his series um, up to nine months at a time. I am one of zero 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 point five percent of the worship pastors in the whole world that knows more than three days in advance what his pastor is going to be talking about at least that 's how it seems and i that 's really a blessing to me. But this was an open Sunday, and there was no assignment for me to plug into, so I got to pick anything I wanted to speak about today. And uh, so five weeks ago, I asked Wayne to plan the service, not knowing what I was going to speak about today. And I'm telling you, if he, he couldn't have planned worship more accurately and more effectively if he knew what I was going to speak about. And I never cease to be amazed at how the Holy Spirit works in the hearts of His people um, uh, to accomplish His purposes. And this last song that we just sang, Indescribable, uh, couldn't be more fitting uh, introduction to what I want to talk about this morning. Uh, Amazing God, amazing God, awestruck we fall at His feet to worship Him. In spirit and in truth, Father, I ask and pray that you would speak through me this morning. That uh, you would open the hearts and minds of your people to your truth, and that you would um, that anything that I say that is in error, uh, I I just pray that it would fall on deaf ears. And so now I pray that uh, you your word would go forth and, as always, accomplish its purposes. For your glory and for the sake of your people who you love so dearly. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this morning I want to talk about a very relevant topic that uh, has, has come to my attention over the last few months or weeks. What would Jesus say to Eckhart Tolle? Many of you are wondering who is Eckhart Tolle? And why should I care? Well, if you visit Eckhart Tolle's website, this is what you will read. Eckhart Tolle is the author of the number one New York Times bestseller, The Power of Now, translated into 33 languages. And the highly acclaimed follow-up, A New Earth, awakening, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose which are widely regarded as two of the most influential spiritual books of our time. At the core of Eckhart's teachings lies the transformation of consciousness, a spiritual awakening that he sees as the next step in human evolution. An essential aspect of this awakening consists in transcending our ego-based state of consciousness. This is a prerequisite not only for personal happiness but also for ending a violent conflict endemic on our planet. This book is indeed having significant impact on our culture. On January 8th of of this year, Oprah Winfrey introduced Tully's book as a part of her book club, Oprah's book, book club. In two months, from January 8th till March 8th, 3.5 3.5 million copies of the book were sold. No book has ever generated more sales in the history of humankind in such a short time. In tandem with the book, Oprah offers free Monday night web, webinars or, or class, classes online to learn more about the book and its teachings with Eckhart Tolle himself in 39 countries and in all 50 states of the U.S. Since Pastor Rick mentioned the book in in one of his sermons a few weeks ago, I've had several people ask me about the book and and what I thought about it. Unable to answer their questions, I got a copy for myself. Tully's book, A New Earth, is a New Age book strongly influenced by Buddhism. Tully is not a nut and he should not be underestimated or disrespected. The book has gained a large audience because it is rational, internally consistent, well-written, and compelling. It is a worldview that is especially attractive for anyone who is seeking answers to life from a non-Christian point of view. What does Toli believe? And what is he saying? As I read the book, I couldn't help but notice how often Toli refers to Buddhism and in general and the Buddha in specific. Now, in order to understand what Toli is teaching, it's helpful to travel back in time about 2,500 years to northern India A man by the name of Siddhartha Gautama was the prince of a small kingdom in northern India, the kingdom of Shakya. His father, King Sudhodana, did everything in his power to to shield Siddhartha, his son, from the experience or even the awareness of pain and, and suffering and evil. Of discomfort in the world. Siddhartha Gautama had three seasonal palaces built just for him, and he lived the life of Solomon, wanting for nothing. At age 29, however, like King Solomon, Siddhartha Gautama came to the conclusion that material comfort and wealth was not enough. There must be a higher ultimate goal in life. As a result, he abandoned his privileged life as a prince and he set out into, into the world to live life as an ascetic. Over the next six years, he experienced much pain, much suffering and near death until finally, at age 35, he sat down under a pipal fig tree and determined not to leave until he discovered ultimate truth once and for all. 49 days later, Siddhartha Gautama was enlightened and he became the first Buddha, which means awakened one. Now, fast forward to 2008. Tolle proclaims that the goal of life, like the Buddha so many years ago, is to be enlightened and awakened to a deeper reality. What is that reality? Tolle argues that there is something inside each of us, inside of you and inside of me, that is aware of the fact that we are thinking. Now, stay with me. This, for many of us, and for myself, the first time I heard these these concepts and these ideas, I really had to engage my mind to understand it and grasp it. He had to. He, he, he became aware that he was thinking, and that this this something inside of him that was aware of his the fact that he was thinking. Is separate from our, his thought life. He describes this something as presence or consciousness. He discovered that this presence, this existing reality, was something deep and profound. This presence or consciousness simply exists. It is thoughtless, it is formless, it is timeless. It is eternal. It is at the very core of our being and Tully describes it as the the true essence of who we really are. When everything else is stripped away, it's who we really are at the deepest core of our being. Furthermore, this consciousness is universal and identically the same, not only in every human being, but in every object that exists in nature around us and in the universe beyond. However, Tolley preaches or teaches there is a problem. Tolley teaches that each of us live unconscious lives that are utterly unaware of this consciousness, this reality within us. We are utterly unaware of not who we think we are, but we are unaware of who we really are. And he makes a big deal out of that. And it's important to understand that to in, in, in order to understand what Toli is saying. All that we think makes each of us unique is, in fact, an illusion created by our ego. my intellect, my thought processes, my accomplishes, accomplishments, accomplishments, my status and my physical appearance. And oh, I wish it was an illusion.. all of these things are an illusion i lost my place when i made my joke i was really traumatized by it all that we all that we call and think to be our identity is an illusion And the ego is forced to work all the harder to maintain and protect that illusion. Once the illusion is broken and we become aware of the presence within us and who we really are, the ego is broken and its power is broken over us once and for all. It is the insatiable lust of the ego that is the source of all pain and suffering, both on a personal level and on a collective planetary level. Most of us are unconscious or unaware of our souls because we are preoccupied with our ego. Once you have awakened to this reality, you discover that the purpose of life is to deny the ego and live in unbroken awareness in communion with our souls, the consciousness within us at the very core of our being. He goes on to say that the soul within each of us, this consciousness, is the source of all life. As such, it is what we think of as God. Accordingly, God is in us And this is very important to understand, and I'm going to come back to it later. God is in us, and we are God. Furthermore, our souls are interconnected, identical parts of a collective higher consciousness on a cosmic scale. Just what that higher consciousness is like, Tully freely admits, cannot be described. Because our souls are the source of life itself, they represent ultimate reality and as such cannot be described in moral terms as either good or bad. Our soul simply exists. It is what it is. It is the, the isness within us. Tolly describes this consciousness as the I am within us. The purpose of our lives, therefore, is to free ourselves of anything that would distract us or prevent us from living in a state of enlightened conscious awareness of the presence within us, namely our souls, at all times. Tolley teaches that humanity is destined to experience and witness a spiritual awakening as the result of a profound shift in planetary consciousness. And when this happens in its fullness on a worldwide level, we will experience the advent of the new heaven and the new earth prophesied in the Bible. There is much that appeals to people in Tolly's writing. And he has a lot of profound insights, especially when you consider that they are, they are uh, uh, offered from, uh, uh, sourced in a, from a human point of view, a human perspective. He articulates a worldview that offers a purpose for living and a life filled with peace and contentment with a promise of freedom from the fears and anxieties that cause so much suffering in the world, not only in our personal lives, but on a collective planetary scale as well. This is understandably attractive to people. So what is the Christian response to all of this? How do we respond to all of this from a a christian point of view a biblical point of view the bible has 5 things to say at least about our souls and i want to run through those those 5 truths biblical truths for you quickly number 1 every human being has an eternal spiritual soul jesus acknowledges the existence of our souls in matthew 16:26 What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? What I believe that Tolly has stumbled on is the discovery of the God-given human soul that is indeed within us. And because he, like the Buddha so long ago, is observing the world and reality around himself from a human perspective, he comes, however, to the errant conclusion That he has arrived and that this discovery is is it it's the it's it's everything. Number two left to itself every human soul is sinful and rebellious. We're born with a sinful and rebellious soul. Romans three ten through twelve instructs us there is no unrighteous, not even one There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. This is a significant quote by the Apostle Paul because not only is it a New Testament claim, uh, teaching about the nature of our soul, but it is an affirmation really of an Old Testament quotation of the, the nature of our soul. It's not just a New Testament development, but an affirmation of a timeless truth. While Tolly may have discovered the existence of his soul, his God-given soul, what he doesn't realize is that the soul he has discovered is utterly fallen and depraved. It is not good. Number three, just like Adam and Eve, our sinful souls want to be like God. Genesis 3, 1-5, and this this is key to understanding uh, the rest of what I have to say this morning. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? the woman said to the serpent we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden you must not touch it or you will die (laughs) you will not surely die the serpent said to the woman (laughs) what an idiot for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like god knowing good and evil number 4 the sinful soul is profoundly self-deceiving jeremiah 17:9 the heart which i equate synonymously with the soul the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure Who can understand it? We know from Scripture that the soul, heart for the sake of discussion, is deceptive above all things. And we know that our sinful souls want nothing less than what? Than what? What do our sinful, depraved, deceptive souls want more than anything else? To be like God. That's the point. So when Buddha and Toli and others sit at the feet of their own depraved, deceitful souls, they are unwittingly, and I give them the benefit of the doubt, feeding their depraved souls exactly what their souls want. To be like God. And therefore to be the object of their worship. Buddha and Toli refer to this self-worship as enlightenment. Number five, Satan uses the deception of our souls to present himself to us as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.14 For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is interesting to me and, and not surprising than that when both Buddha and Tolle describe their respective awakenings in terms of enlightenment, I would argue that the enlightenment enlightenment they have discovered finds its source ultimately in Satan himself. In the end, Buddha and Toli find themselves sitting at the feet of their own souls in awestruck worship. And we sang about that in in at least two of the songs we sang this morning about sitting in, in awestruck worship of Almighty God. But our souls want the awestruck worship that was meant for God and God alone for itself. And that is the infection and the disease that plagues every single one of us in this room. And by doing so, they are feeding their souls exactly what their souls want, worship. Tolly's soul welcomes Tolly's worship with open and inviting arms. And his soul is overjoyed and happy to see his friend coming, to be receiving the very thing it hungers and craves, Tully's entire life focus in undivided worship. For indeed, Toli sees and equates his own soul with God Himself. Remember what I articulated earlier. God is in us, Tully writes, and we are God. In return, for bowing the knee to his, his sinful, fallen, deceitful, depraved soul, Tully receives from, his, from this soul all that Tolly longs for, a sense of peace, meaning and purpose in life, and, and at least the perception of happiness. And as long as Tolly is convinced that his own soul is nothing less than God itself, his soul is not going to rock the boat. What Tolle perceives as peace, I would argue, is actually a numbing spiritual novocaine. What a sad picture! Eckhart Tolle is absolutely convinced that he has discovered the ultimate purpose of all life, not realizing that from his limited human perspective, he has only discovered a small piece of God's creation. Tolle has made the mistake of equating the part with the whole. And because tolly 's worldview is developed from a human perspective, he can only see the world as flat, metaphorically speaking. His worldview is hopelessly incomplete, and subsequently he has built an entire worldview on a flawed foundation of sand. In contrast, however, as Christians, we have the advantage of a worldview given to us, not from the inside out, from human observation sitting under a the Paul fig tree, as it were, trying to figure out the universe by looking at it and observing it and meditating on it. But we have the advantage as Christians of, of, of God's divine revelation from the outside in manifested to us in the Bible. Once again, we come full circle to the importance of the Word of God as our foundation for understanding the nature of things as they really are and not merely as they seem to be. Regardless of how rational, internally consistent, or even compelling those human observations may appear, Tolly has built a worldview that is not a deck of cards. He's actually built a pretty impressive house that is indeed rational, internally consistent, and compelling. You can't just blow it and have this house fall over. It's a well built house. And if you try to argue with Tolly tit for tat, uh, you know, on on various floors and levels of this, this worldview house he's built. He'll have an answer for your every objection. It's important that we understand that that the problem with Tolly is in the foundation, and that he has built this house on a foundation based on human, per, limited human perspective, per, uh, perception, and it is flawed at its very foundation and its very base, and that's why it will ultimately crumble. Let me leave you with an analogy that pretty accurately describes Tully's worldview. Imagine the waves of the ocean crashing against the rocks on the shore. With each crash of each wave, the ocean, what does it do? Sprays water up into the sky and mist into the air the spray and mist is made up of thousands and thousands of tiny water droplets your life my life, Tolly's life, every life on the planet is like one of those tiny droplets of water it is absolutely identical to all the other droplets of water If there is any difference between one drop of water and the next, it's an illusion because every drop is really the same. The drop of water that represents your life rises from this ocean and eventually reaches its peak and then begins its decay and fall back into the ocean where any sense of its individuality ceases to exist. You see, what Tully is saying is that at the core of our being the essence of who we are in our souls we are all one we are all one and the same we are all God and there is no difference between any of us and any differences that you perceive to be manifested in your identity are just an illusion it's not real and it will pass away the things that make Olin distinct and unique from me or my daughter from me or or my wife or or, or Mike or, or Ralph or or any of you in this room, different from me or from each other, is purely an illusion. In fact, not only is it an illusion, but its a dist- it's a bad thing because it's a distraction which keeps you from focusing on the awareness of your soul. We are all the same. There is no uniqueness to any of us. And at the end of life, our, our drops of water that represent our lives fall back into the ocean, they are absorbed by the ocean, and any sense of our identity ceases to exist. We are absorbed by the life source represented by the ocean. Despite Tolley's best effort to convince you that this gives your life meaning and purpose, the fact is that if you really stop to think about it, it does just the opposite. There's really nothing special about you. (laughs) You and I are absolutely identically the same. That's a scary thought. There is no difference between us. And when we die, we will be reabsorbed into the one source of life. And there is no real meaning or purpose to our lives in the end. There isn't. Not really. And while Tolly presents a worldview that he means for good, to give him the benefit of the doubt, it proves in the end to be a formula for hopelessness, pointlessness, and despair. What a stark contrast to the biblical view of humanity. Look at what God's Word has to say about you and about me. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Romans 8.16 The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Revelation twenty one one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Verse 3 And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and He will live with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4 God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. What a beautiful statement. What a beautiful vision of hope for our future. That you were created in God's image for His glory. That you mattered to Him. Not only were you created... But you were created not as a meaningless drop of water that falls back into a meaningless ocean. But you were created uniquely. There is no one like you on the face of the earth. There are, We have similarities, but no one is exactly like another human being. We are all each unique. And this is one of the beautiful teachings and truths of the Bible. You have value and you have worth. In fact, you have so much value and worth in God's eyes. I believe, I truly believe this, that if you were indeed the only sinner on earth, God would have gone to the cross just for you. Why would I ever want to trade such a gift to become a mere drop of meaningless water? Sadly, in the end, Proverbs 14.12 accurately sums up both Buddha and Toli. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So what would Jesus say to Eckhart Tolle? He says to Eckhart Tolle what he said to his disciples 2,000 years ago and to each and every one of us in this room and throughout the world today. John 14.6 I am the way, the truth and the life not you I am the way not you I am not a way I am the only way no one comes to the Father except by me it's interesting that in his book Holy often quotes Jesus out of context and gives, twists the meaning of Jesus' words consistently. But it's interesting to me that he never quotes that verse. Mark 1.15 The time has come, Jesus said, at the beginning of his ministry, the first words out of his mouth after he's come out of the wilderness temptation and he he launches his public ministry and he states in Mark one fifteen the point of his entire ministry on earth. This is the message of Jesus Christ. It was his message then. And my friends, it's his message this morning. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The question for each of us this morning is to whom will you fall down in awestruck worship? your soul or God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> this this is an important uh, message and I, I hope and pray that... Um, that uh, your holy spirit would uh, work in our hearts and lives that you would strengthen the faith of those who have put their trust in you and if there's anyone here this morning who has not if you have if you are here this morning and you have not put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ i plead with you i beg you to repent to repent of your sin, to acknowledge that your soul is indeed sinful and deceptive and depraved, that in you dwells a soul that needs a Savior, and that you cannot save yourself. And I I plead and beg with you to consider the claim of Jesus Christ that He and He alone is your salvation, and that He and He alone is the, the way to true enlightenment, to ultimate reality to peace with God and hope eternal let this morning be the morning and the day of your salvation what have you got to lose except despair and death and hopelessness it's so and let me invite you to join those who around the world have discovered for thousand uh, two thousand years the joy and the peace and the life that comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus alone and the freedom that only He can offer. If that is where you are at this morning, let me invite you to pray pray this prayer with me right here and right now. Lord, I confess to You that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I call on Your name for my salvation. Cleanse me. Make me whole. Make me new. Make me a new creation. Teach me what it means to live for you. In Jesus' name.